relationships are fluid. They're like gardens. Mm-hmm. And so you wouldn't pour concrete over your garden. You would dig up the plants. You would till the soil. You would decide what plants or flowers you wanted to plant. You would feed them. You would water them. You would tend them. You would pull the weeds. Relationships are exactly the same. And people don't realize that our our hearts and our emotional selves can repair just like our physical bodies. Welcome to the Vibe Living Podcast, a podcast that talks about topics for women over 40. You know, that time of your life that many call midlife. That time of life when you can really vibe, be vibrant, intuitive, beautiful, and emerge. Join me, Linus Wood Mullins, certified holistic living and wellness expert for women over 40, as I talk about a variety of topics that address the wellness of the mind, body, and spirit for women over 40. Remember, midlife doesn't mean no life. Midlife is an opportunity to increase your self-love, your self-care, and your self-worth. It's your time to be vibrant, intuitive, beautiful, and emerged. It's your time to vibe. So come on, let's vibe. Hey, everybody, this is Lennis, and welcome to the Vibe Living Podcast. I'm so excited that you've taken a little bit of time to kind of find out what kinds of things we're talking about when it comes to being vibrant. And as my introduction says, VIBE is actually an acronym, and it stands for being vibrant, intuitive, beautiful, and emerged. My name is Linus Woods-Mullins, and I'm a holistic living and wellness expert for women over 40. I help women to vibe every day, and I am passionate about spreading the word of how we can use holistic practices, fitness, nutrition, and spiritual renewal to get our vibe back. And with that, I have a fantastic guest who I really do admire, Dr. Jackie Black. She's joining us today, and she is a relationship expert, a marriage educator, and a board-certified coach to couples. She has worked with 750 couples in eight different countries over the last 33 years. Dr. Jackie has really helped crazy busy entrepreneurs and professionals to rekindle their love relationships and to make every day feel like they are on a honeymoon. Imagine that. As the founder of Dr. Jackie Black, she has delivered her monthly relationship tip sheet to men and women in 38 countries and has been featured on hundreds of radio shows and podcasts just like this one. Dr. Jackie is the author of the Cracking the Code series of relationship-focused books, and I am so excited to have you here on the podcast. Welcome to the Vibe Living Podcast. It's wonderful to have you here today. Thank you so much, Linus. I love being here with you today. Thank you. And I am so sorry for all the stuff in the background here, <laughs> uh, the things going off in the background. I forgot to turn off my, my phone here, but now it's off. So here we are. <laughs> so now I won't have any more distractions. So, you know, you and I were chatting before we came on to the podcast, basically talking about what are we going to talk about? There's so many things we could talk about because relationships are something that um, every woman is preoccupied with probably from the time that they are in grade school until what currently in midlife right now. And there's this phenomenon that's going on right now where uh, a lot of midlife relationships or relationships of couples who have retired, that divorce is going up 50 percent. 
And so my question is to you, first of all, um, why is that happening? And is there anything that we could do to prevent that? Because I suspect that not all of those 50% relationships uh, or 50% divorces for couples who were in retirement actually had to happen. I, I would like to think that some of them could have been saved. What do you think the reason is for this and what can we do about it? I agree with you. I think a lot of them could have been saved. I think that people are not, they don't have the skills uh, for transitions. They don't have the skills for changes. They don't have the skills and the mindset for what's next. And when you retire, uh, you don't go slipping and sliding around what, what was. You really have to mindfully and intentionally create what's next. And I think that's one place that people are very weak. And that's really looking at being intentional about creating what's next. The other thing I think is um, we get stuck in habituated behaviors, in our routines. And a routine cannot remain if all of a sudden the person who was working is not working or the people who were working are not working. And you don't want your routine to be forced. You want to co-create your routine. You want to be the chooser of your routine. So I think that's another very big piece is that people aren't deciding mindfully and intentionally what's going to change. There's, there's a very funny story, um, funny and sad at the same time. I had clients a couple of years ago and he retired after uh, 30 years on a corporate job. And he was home and he was puttering around. And one afternoon, he was home two or three days. And one afternoon, he said to her, who are you on with the phone with so much? Are you always on the phone this much? Mm -hmm. And every time the phone would ring after he mentioned it, he'd say, who is that? What do they want? Were you on the phone with them for an hour? He was not accustomed to having her on the phone because once he was home, she didn't sit on the phone. And it wasn't that he was being mean or judgmental in any way. He was so filled with curiosity and awe and just not getting it, but it drove her nuts, mm -hmm. right? There was somebody in her space questioning her, even if it was kind, even if it came from curiosity. So that was something that they had to have some boundaries around and had to um, craft some agreements around. It's simple. But it literally was driving driving her crazy. You know, that's a great I, that's a great example because in, here in, in my household, for instance, my husband is retired and has been retired for the last couple of years. Uh, whereas I am retired from corporate America, but I am still working every day. And uh, sometimes he'll come and stand at my doorway and he'll say, "So, um, when are you going to stop?" You know, in other words, when can you come out and play? And at first it was kind of cute, but after a while it got to be annoying. So we had to sit down and talk about that. You know, this is my work day. You know, this is what I'm going to be doing. If the door is closed, just don't come in because I'm either recording or I'm with a client or something. Okay. And he just wasn't used to those boundaries because he didn't know what went on when I wasn't here, when, when he was gone at work. You know, all he knew was that much like your client, when uh, he got home, I was done. And, you know, the focus was mostly on us because our children have long since left the, the home. Um, they are successfully hatched and we've been empty nesters for almost um, 
almost 11 years now. And it's wow. interesting because that was a real reality because we, this is my second marriage. So we got married uh, while we still had teenagers in the home and it almost drove us to divorce. I'm telling you, because we had very different parenting styles. So when they finally went away to college and all of that, we finally got a chance to get to know each other as husband and wife that we did not get that chance since then. And it reminded us, okay, this is the reason why we got married (laughs) (laughs) because we didn't have kids together. So that was definitely, if I were to ever give anybody any advice on getting married, if you have teenagers and we both have teenagers, you're trying to do a blended family. If there's any way you can wait (laughs) until those teenagers go, because that was crazy, but we rediscovered each other in a positive way once the kids were gone. Uh, But it was a change. It was definitely a change. And and that was, you know, there's a lot of changes in midlife that can impact relationships. Right. And it sounds like you did that intentionally. I loved it when you said we sat down, we had to talk about it. And that's the third piece that is very challenging for people because they aren't accustomed to sitting down together and to exploring, right? Uh, And to to trying to see what do you think? What do you need? What's going on for you? It's very um, fear producing for a lot of couples because they haven't had these kinds of conversations. I call them couple dialogues. And couple dialogue is not for the purpose of problem solving. It is not for the purpose of figuring out who's going to do what and when. Couples dialogue is for the purpose of being known, for the purpose of being known. And it is a relationship structure and it is a way of interacting and connecting with your partner that is so important. And it takes courage and it takes some practice to really be able to do that comfortably and fluidly. So taking a look at, you know, all the years of experience you've had in working with couples, what do you think are some of the reasons that these midlife relationships are breaking up after so many years? I think that people were able to distract themselves with busy house, with kids at at different ages, and all of the requirements of family life. And when you launch kids and they are at college or they're living their own lives and you're just left with each other, it's like, now what? Who, who are you? Who am I? That's one thing. Another thing is that a lot of men tend to be off in their own worlds. They're, they're working and they, they come home and they love being home and love being in their families, but they really aren't the sort of co-creators of family life, typically. I think that's changing with millennials. So uh, women tend to be busy with the children and they distract themselves. And the stuff that's not working so well or that they don't like or they're unhappy about gets sloughed off, gets uh, put to the side. I was going to say shoved. <laughs> to the side, right? I mean, I, I'm not going to see that. I'm not going to, I don't want to know that that's there. I don't want to know what I know I know. Mm. All of a sudden, there are no distractions. And what you didn't want to know you knew bubbles up to the surface and is really present. And people think that they, they recognize that they're unhappy. And they recognize that they're more unhappy than they thought they were. It actually isn't true. They're less distracted, not more unhappy. And they don't have any skills, tools, or strategies individually or as a couple to repair that, to really talk about that, to unwrap that, see what's going on and how those pieces can, some need to be repaired 
some need to be changed, some need to be added, right? So that then we shift how our puzzle looks. That's interesting, especially when you talk about the fact that after the kids are gone and all of a sudden you're like, wow, who are you? And I've heard that before. But the interesting thing is, while they're aware in some cases in the relationships I know that this is the reason why they're having the problems is because they, they've kind of lost each other in the process of raising the kids. While they might know that, there seems to be a lack of incentive to try to fix that. And, and I guess when you're working with people, how do you get them to even get encouraged to try to work on their relationship? When people are become aware that they don't believe they can have what they want with that person, when people become aware that they are worried that it's over, I don't have this feeling anymore, and so the relationship must be over. That's bogus. There's nothing that's true about that relationships are fluid. They're like gardens. Mm -hmm. And so you wouldn't pour concrete over your garden. You would dig up the plants. You would till the soil. You would decide what plants or flowers you wanted to plant. You would feed them. You would water them. You would tend them. You would pull the weeds. Relationships are exactly the same. And -hmm. people don't realize that our, our hearts and our emotional selves can repair just like our physical bodies. See, we don't have any question that if we nick our finger and it bleeds, unless you're a hemophiliac, you can apply pressure, the blood will coagulate, the scar will form, then it'll fall off, all the cells will regenerate, your finger will be fine. It's not easy with the heart, but you can expect, expectancy is very important. You can expect your heart to heal and your emotions to heal with the right salve, with the right attention. That makes a lot of sense. And if that's the whole idea, and I guess in your practice, that's what you do is you give them the right skills, the right techniques and tools to be able to maneuver the relationship and put it in a place where it's on a more of a, a healthy trajectory versus. Well, and, and happy. So right. I don't talk about healthy. I talk about productive and happy. What's the you difference know? between having a healthy relationship and having a productive relationship? It's a judgment. It's healthy or unhealthy. Productive is we can really look at how people are interacting, what are the behaviors, what behaviors need to change, what behaviors don't get you what you want, and what behaviors are missing. So I know in particular you specialize in helping entrepreneurs and busy professional people uh, to um, resurrect their relationships or to keep their relationships uh, productive. What are some of the things that you tell them? What are some of the tips that you share with them to keep their relationships, as you call them, yummy and juicy? Those are the two things I know you use to describe your relationship. So you may not know that the divorce rate among entrepreneurs in the U.S., is 10% higher than the national average. One of the things that that we do as entrepreneurs is that we love our work. We're fed by our work. We're energized by it. We engage in it in such a deep place. And it's fuel for our soul, for our spirit, for our bodies. And if we are married to entrepreneurs, if we are married to people who are not entrepreneurs, they don't get that. So one of the things that we want to do is help people understand that we have, and own this, we have trouble separating work and life and play because they merge for us so exquisitely. That's one thing. Uh, Another is to really be willing to listen to your partner and to hear what is missing for your partner. What would they like that they don't have? 
with you, from you. Sometimes we are not great listeners. We, we listen to do, we listen to problem solve, we listen to fix, because that's what we do all day long, right? There isn't a problem we can't fix. There isn't a situation that we can't add some magic to and improve or increase this or that. So we want to know from our partners, and, and it's a scary conversation, but we want to know what, what do they need? What are they missing? And then we want to have that same conversation with ourselves because most of the time what we're missing is intimacy. Yes. What we're missing is the time that we slow everything down and we can become vulnerable, open-hearted and connect. And we're not good at doing that because we're busy, busy, busy doing. When you are loving, when you are connecting, you're being. So we have to intentionally slow things down so that we can access our being and connect and that we can receive our partners. That's interesting about what you're saying, slow things down, because we have a tendency in general here, especially in the United States, to live a life at a breakneck pace. I mean, it's just stress, 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 do, 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 do. I mean, people have these long to-do lists, you know, there's just not enough hours in the day and they come home and they're supposed to still be able to interact and be loving and supportive to their spouse and vice versa. So it's no wonder that we don't have these issues with the um, uh, marriage is failing because we're just exhausted and overwhelmed. So for, uh, I'm sorry, I was just going to ask, but for, for couples that are struggling with that, what are some of the things that you tell them to do to try to help them slow that pace down? I was just going to add one thing to everything you said was that we also are bad at taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we have to look at all these parts of our lives and we have to decide not what is the, perfect world, what is the optimum, but what are one or two ways that we want to show up that we're missing? And we start with ourselves and then we say to our partners, what, is one, what are one or two ways you want to show up for yourself that you're not showing up? And then what do, what do I want from you? What do I need from you? What do you need from me? What do you want from me? And those things are different. And then we develop a language so that we can talk to each other about what we want and what we need. So many people don't honor, they don't own their needs. They're afraid. There's a big misunderstanding out there between legitimate needs and being needy. Big misunderstanding. And a lot, and particularly for entrepreneurs, because we do so much and we have to look, we're generalists. We learn how to do lots and lots and lots of different things. We are not islands. We need help. Um, we, we, we want, to create and co-create a life with our partners. And that is one of the key pieces. So I say to people, do you want to be with each other? That's the first question. Do you want to be here? Do you want to be here? Because that's all it takes. If somebody says, yes, I want to be here, then I know how to help them to show up and to to be who they want to be and to be able to receive their partner and then co-create the inside yummy stuff, vulnerability, intimacy, a way to share and talk to each other about things, a shared vision. Most couples don't have a shared vision. Mm, that's true. Right? We wouldn't right. run businesses without having a vision and a mission, but mm -hmm. couples don't. So they need a shared vision. They need to have a mission. They, they must have a state of the union conversation 
weekly, bi-weekly, monthly at the very least. So that there's a, a format and a structured way to talk about what's going on, what's working, what isn't. What would I like more of? What would I like less of? What do I want to really change? You know, sometimes when couples sit down and try to have these conversations, it can quickly go south and become adversarial. What are the tips that you provide your couples when you're working with them to try to keep that from happening? So when couples are learning how to do this, I tell them to get an egg timer. I know all our phones have clocks, but get an egg timer because there's a visual. And you have three minutes to share, right? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to let somebody know that is deeply personal? Not about your childhood, not what's wrong, not a complaint, but what have you been thinking about? What experience did you have during the week that you didn't have an opportunity to share, to either be acknowledged for or to have somebody say, wow, and be excited with you, champion you, or support you if it was difficult? Three minutes. So I tell them to have three or four or five three-minute conversations and then to move to six-minute conversations. Just turn the egg timer over and let it go down again. When people can talk for six minutes and they're not problem solving, uh, there is a listening component, which I'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. And they, they, are, they get more and more comfortable in the space that their partner is holding for them, mm-hmm. listening empathically. Uh, they can see some visual experiences. They know that they're listening. It's transformative. Formative and it feels wonderful. So the more they do it, the more they want to do it. Sometimes it doesn't work so well. And then when it doesn't, we talk about it, we unwrap all those pieces, and then we figure out where is the problem that we can repair. And then they can get that that experience. Let me just give you a, a, a tip about listening. In relationships, you only listen for three things. Three things. The first is feelings. And you listen empathically. You don't try to fix the feelings or make them go away. You don't have to understand them. You just hold the space. Oh, that must have felt terrible. That's very cool, right? Empathy. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to use words. You, you can lean forward a little, tilt your head a little, nod, okay? Mm-hmm. Listen for feelings. The second is listen to problem solve. Uh, and you may take notes because you're going to want all the details, all the con- details of the content, In the first conversation, you're listening for feelings. Content is irrelevant. In the second conversation, you're listening carefully to content so that you can problem solve. In the third conversation, you're listening for information because you're going to be asked to do something at the end of the conversation. So when you come to a a conversation, when couples are learning how to have these conversations, I suggest three rules. Number one, come to your partner and I say, I'd love to have a conversation with you. It'll only take 10 or 12 minutes. Uh, Is this a good time? No, it's really not. Okay, when would be a better time? And then you schedule a time to talk. How many times do our partners walk into our offices or our rooms or the kitchen and they're already talking? And (laughs) we might be preoccupied. We might be ready to talk. So ask, is this a good time? I have something I want to talk to you about. Is this a good time? Then that you... And you've said 12 minutes. So you only want to talk for 12. You set your your timer on your phone, for example, at 10 minutes. When the 10 minute, you say, I only have two minutes, so let me wrap up. 
And at the end of the 12 minutes, you don't go slipping and sliding into 13 or 14 minutes, even if the conversation is going well. Be a person of your word. Uh, and then if you have a request, make a request. The request has to be achievable and doable by your partner. Your partner can ask questions if they want to, because uh, you're not talking about feelings necessarily, uh, and tell them how you want them to listen. I need you to listen. It might be, I need you to listen for my feelings. Mm -hmm. I need you to listen and help me problem solve at the end. I want you to listen to the content because I'm going to ask you to do something at the end of the conversation. You know, it's interesting because um, I'm, I'm, of course, thinking about personally with my, my marriage relationship, uh, things have gotten much better around the piece of I'm working and he's not. I mean, he's doing whatever he wants to do or whatever. And uh, he has now started doing one of the things you mentioned. He said, is this a good time? If not, when would be a good time? Or I only need about 10 minutes of your time. Whereas before, he would want me like to stop and like look at something he was looking at television real quick or something he read in a book or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh. I would always stop and do what I was and do it. But one day I said, you know what? I really need you to be aware that I'm working. So how can we work this out so that I am still paying attention and you're not feeling slighted, but I'm still getting things done. And so he was the one who came up with the idea of asking first. And that is so much better. Then I don't have an attitude, like, you know, or exactly. any of that. Exactly. Now, a lot of things happen in the course of a relationship, you know, all kinds of things, some good, some not so great. Uh, and sometimes in the course of conversations in relationships, one or the other or both bring up, well, you did such and such and such and such. And they say in an argument, you're not supposed to be accusatory and bring those things up. That's so correct. how do you help people not to do that? Because that is that I'm speaking from personal experience. That is something that I've had to deal with with my husband. He has a mind like a steel trap. He can go back 25.62 years and the date, the time and how long it was of whatever my atrocity was. And many times it won't have anything to do with what we're talking about. It's just that he's feeling uncomfortable or attacked or whatever. He says, well, you, and it'll be like, I don't even remember that. And then I'll try to come up with something that he did. And I can't, I can't think of anything because I let it go. I was just not my personality type. So when you are dealing with those situations, how can you maneuver, maneuver in such a way where you turn it back more back into a more positive conversation? Couples must agree that whatever they're talking about in the moment is the thing they're talking about and they don't bring up things from the past. It, it mm -hmm. takes both people out of integrity. It causes the, uh, the partner who's hearing about a past offense or front, it puts them immediately on the defense mm -hmm. and, it, and it breaks the connection, that yummy intimacy connection I'm talking about. There's nothing intimate about being reminded that you hurt somebody's feelings. Right, absolutely. I'm so glad. I'm going to play this part of the podcast for him so he could hear that. I'm so, <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad. You, you, you cannot do that. It is a cardinal sin. It is a rule. It is a betrayal. I, I don't have enough words. Mm -hmm. it, it really, really messes with the energy uh, yes. in the, the relationship and your partner's heart. And full stop. And those feelings are legitimate and they must be dealt with. When things come up from the past into a conversation in the moment, we're really talking about resentment. And 
many, many, many people, I would say all people, but I try to not do the all and never thing, mm-hmm. have resentment. And that's because we're not good at becoming current and staying current with each other. Mm-hmm. That's a cup. That's a process. That's a couple's process. It's a human life skill process. We have to be current so that we don't have any of that older stuff. If it is, we have to deal with it. And the way to do that for the first few months of deciding between you together that you're going to clear the reservoir of resentment is that when he does that, everything stops. And you say, time out, bookmark. I'm going to put our conversation that we just had, I'm going to bookmark it. We'll come back to it. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. What happened? How did that feel? How, what do you need from me now? How can I soothe that hurt now? So you're actually kind of just basically stopping your current conversation and dealing with it right then and there. Right. Trying to find because, some kind of way to, to deal with it right then and there. Yeah, because the average person can't, if you say to them, what, what are some of the things you, you are resentful about? They go blank. They, right, they, exactly. They <laughs> so as they emerge, we agree that as those things emerge, I want to hear them from you. And we will hold this space together to to heal that to do as whatever needs to be done so that that pain is taken away and you're not holding that anymore and that's so important and i'm so glad that you mentioned it it has been such a revelation talking with you and i could see how so many um relationships could be saved if they just talked to dr jackie (laughs) absolutely seriously so how do people reach you what's the best way to reach you they can reach me on my Instagram at, at Dr. Jackie Black, D-R-J-A-C-K-I-E-B-L-A-C-K. Uh, they can go to my website, drjackieblack.com, uh, or send me an email, which is drjackie at drjackieblack.com. Fantastic. And for those of you who are listening, if you didn't get that, play it back and get the information. But you can also go to the show page of whatever your listening platform is, and you'll see all the links, all of Dr. Jackie's social media links and her website so that you can reach out to her. Because my understanding is, Dr. Jackie, that you do a lot of virtual work. Is that correct? Yes, all, uh, only virtual work. Um, okay. Yeah. When I transitioned out of doing therapy into doing coaching, it started in 1999. And when I phased out doing therapy and uh, coaching 100% in 2002, I went virtual, which is how I have clients in eight countries. Ah, fantastic. So for those of you out there who are looking for a solution to uh, healing your midlife relationship, Dr. Jackie should be your girl. So definitely check her out. Check her out on the show page as well. Dr. Jackie, thank you so much for being on the Vibe Living Podcast. It's been wonderful having you here today. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. And thank you to all of you who took some time to listen in. If you um, enjoyed this, please let me know. I always forget to let you know to make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you really love it, download the podcast so you can go back and listen to it again. You want to find out more about what I do and everything else, just go ahead and take a look at all the social media links. They're there in the show page. I really appreciate you taking the time out to take a look at what we've been talking about today. I love having some of the premier experts in the whole 
whole field of wellness when it comes to your mind, body, and spirit. Have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to vibe. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Vibe Living Podcast. Please feel free to download, rate, share, and like the show. To find out more about living a vibe life, go to my website at wellnesswoman40.com or email me at vibelivingpodcast at gmail.com. Have a fantastic day and don't forget to vibe.